0: As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to a little letter called Second Peter. And I got to tell you, I'm watching you all sit down and kind of uh, just the buzz that's in here. And it just for some reason reminded me of the last two conventions our country had and how uh, both candidates, we kind of pointed people and nod. You know, I kind of went, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Good to see you. I'm like, I always want to know, are they really pointing at people? I mean, are there people really, that are, they're excited? Do they not look stupid doing, hey, how you doing? Hey, 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 good to see you. Hey, oh, I, I, I. So anyway, now I know how it feels, dumb as I thought it would. <laughs> It is awesome to be with you again this morning and uh, here under the authority of God's Word. It's an awesome privilege we have to, to learn and grow and to become more like Jesus. But why don't you just grow up? Why don't you just grow up? Do you know how often I've heard that in my life? Yeah, you guys are laughing. You say, I still say that to you. Why don't you just grow up? There's people like me that uh, probably have heard that more than some others in their lifetime. But it's a favorite phrase for parents looking at their children, and you ready for this? Acting like children. How dare they? And we turn to them with piety, with wisdom and knowledge, and we give them these words, why don't you just grow up? Grow up. Think about it. Interesting phrase. How much control, how much control do our children have on growing up? I mean, we can yell, grow up to them, and they can think physically, I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to do the right things, eat the right things, avoid the right things. But really, how much can our kids affect the way they grow? Sometimes to their pain. Parents, if you had a teenage kid who's a little bit late in developing, and maybe everybody else is growing, and they start asking the question, what's wrong with me? How come I'm not growing? What is happening? How about socially? How much control do our kids have to grow up socially? Spiritually. How much control do they and we have to grow up spiritually? mentally. I mean, there's so many factors involved, aren't there not, that really come with growth. I mean, there's so many things. And how many of those factors are really in our control? Or how many of those things are in our children's control when we say to them with great zeal and piety, why don't you just grow up? And you really look at it, it's kind of stupid. I mean, really, we're asking them to do that. They can't take more mental energy, more focus, and necessarily make it happen. Yet we want to say and command them to grow. God's Word commands us to grow in grace. It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. It's not something that... God's Word says, hey, I highly recommend this for you. This would be a good idea. Those of you who want abundant life, those of you who want to know joy, hey, maybe you can grow and grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow. It's not a recommendation. It's actually a command. The tense in the Greek is commanding us to grow in grace. And I tell you that, if we look at it, and we're going to, and this is the one thing we're looking at today, it seems like an oxymoron. How how do we grow, and if grace is God's unmerited favor, think of that, I'm going to use that as my explanation, as my definition of grace, if grace is God's unmerited favor to us, how in the world can Scripture command us to grow in grace. Let's look at 2 Peter. I, I threw an extra verse in for you. No extra charge. I'm going to uh, start with verse one, chapter 1, verse 2. We're going to start at the beginning and end. Because grace is something that this letter is all about. Peter is writing to the Christians of his day and to us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he's all about grace. He's going to begin there and he's going to end there. He's going to say, this is what's going to keep us from falling. This is going to keep us in line. This is what we need to have to stand up for Jesus, is grace. So 2 Peter 1, 2 says this. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. May grace and peace, starts off with that, be multiplied. Wherever you are in God's grace, wherever you are with God's peace, may it multiply. And then he says at the very end of his epistle, at the very end of his letter, but grow, command, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, Father God, Your Word seemingly commands us to do something that, humanly speaking, we are unable to do. Grow in grace. So, Father, we can be confused with this command. We can think that this grace is something that we are to manipulate or that we are to earn. And we have to truly have the mind of Christ and the Spirit of Christ understand what you are asking us to do. Peter tells us, and you tell us in your holy word, that because of this grace, we can stand. And because of this grace, we can keep from falling. And because of this grace, we can honor you. And because of this grace, the grace of the unmerited love of a father seen in the face of his son. Experience through the power of the Spirit, we can be free. 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 Father, this is alien to me. And so I ask that You would come and You would speak powerfully through a broken sinner. God, give us ears to hear from Jesus. Father, I pray that You would use my words to become Your words and the Spirit would illumine our minds so we would understand this this oxymoron, this this growth in grace. Father, that You would even now through the power of Your Spirit reach into each one of our chests and into our hearts that are still unbelieving and still stony with doubt and, and sin and You would crumble them and that we would be by Your grace able to embrace into our very beings what it means to grow in Christ. Grow in grace. But, Father, if we grow, that means that we're going to be more like Jesus. We're going to walk out of here more like your son. So, Father, I pray for your glory, that glory that we just mentioned in your word, that you would empower our feet so we can leave here more like Jesus. Only you can do all these things, but do them for your glory and for our good, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Saving Private Ryan. How many of you all have seen that movie? Uh, it's a few years ago now. Uh, probably one of the most important movies that I've ever seen in my life. It was one of those movies that I saw it, and I started thinking, who could I take and bring to this movie? they got to see this movie. It's a movie, it's a story, kind of based on real life. Uh, the more I researched it, the more I realized the story's probably stretched some. But here's the basic... Premise of the story. There's this guy named Private Ryan, not his real name. Uh, Private Ryan, who was uh, parachuted into occupied France uh, right as uh, uh, D Day approached, and he was behind enemy lines. And throughout the battle of World War II, Private Ryan had three brothers that were also serving their country that paid the ultimate sacrifice in World War II. One of four sons, the only son remaining. Private Ryan, the mother has already been notified and father of three sons who have perished on the battlefield, and now became the quest to get this one heir, this one son, home safely. The entire movie, Saving Private Ryan, is about a battalion of rangers led by Captain John Miller, played by Tom Hanks, terrifically played by Tom Hanks. He's just unbelievable, isn't he? Um, and Tom plays this captain. Actually, he's actually a school teacher um, who's serving his country. And they take these Rangers through occupied France, through incredible danger and peril at their own life, to go and to rescue one. To rescue one. And Captain John Miller is going to pay the ultimate price, his own life, for the rescue of John, Private Ryan. At the end of the movie, there's a very incredible poignant scene where Captain Miller is dying. Propped up, life ebbing, flowing away from his body. And he's there talking to Private Ryan. And he says to him, inaudibly really at first, and if you listen closely, you'll hear he says, earn This earn this sacrifice. Watch, they're tank busters, sir. P fifty ones, angels on our shoulders. What, sir? is the antithesis of the gospel of grace. Earn this. The mentality that a sacrifice given by Jesus now needs to be earned is absolutely toxic. Absolutely an antithesis to what the gospel really teaches us. And yet, for some reason, we often live our lives with a mentality that Jesus hung on the cross of Calvary and somehow is communicating to us, leaning forward, earn this. That's not good news. Nor is it the gospel of, of grace. Let me ask you a question. Can any of us do enough Can any of us do enough to earn the sacrifice of God's own Son? I mean, what can we sacrifice? What can we do in response to God becoming flesh, becoming man, to rescue us? What in the world can we respond? In what way can we earn that Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, the sinless One, God in the flesh, becoming our curse on a Roman cross? How in the world can we earn the sacrifice that God took Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, never knew sin, never will know sin, but became our sin on the cross? So that you and I can be the righteousness of Christ and now have not just the righteousness of man, but we can have the righteousness of God. Now, if Jesus, hanging from the cross, looked at us and said, Earn this... What would our lives have to look like? Peter starts off as we read this morning in 1 verse 2. The only way we can have peace multiplied is for us to grow in grace. And if we live in fear, listen, listen. this is so important. If we live in fear, that we now have to live our lives trying to earn Christ's sacrifice, will we ever have peace? Will we ever have joy? If we had to earn it, would we ever know that we actually did enough? You see, this, this this was the agony that Ryan had to live with. Yeah, his life was saved from another, but really... An incredible sacrifice was given, but a curse was given to him. He was cursed by those last words. Cursed. Because he was told that you got to make your life count. You've got to make it count. Earn this. And so guess how he lived his life the rest of his life? In fear that he just wasn't good enough. Do you live your life that way? Look, in this, look at the end of the movie, this clip. James, Captain John H. Miller. Tell me I have led a good life. What? Tell me I'm a good man. You see, at the end of his life, He turns to his wife, and his kids were there, and all he he just needed to be assured, tell me, tell me I've lived a good life. Tell me I've been a good man. Why? Because he thought his life that was bought, it was a sacrifice, had to be earned. That's what religion will always tell us. Religion tells us that we are to earn God's love. To earn God's sacrifice. To earn being a part of God's family. And I want to tell you, it is toxic. It is wrong. It is sinful. It is not the gospel of grace. The most amazing thing about Christianity that distinguishes our belief, our faith, and all other religions. Other religions say, be good enough. Earn it so God can love you. But the gospel of grace says the gospel's Unearned. The gospel's unearnable. You're loved because I loved you, unmerited. And now respond to that love and grace. But never have fear that you have to earn this. The gospel of grace, this is your second point. The first one is uh, with religion, the religion says earn this. It's from the pit of hell. It smells like smoke, Steve Brown would say. And yet I want you to know that I have such the propensity to live my life that way. Even this week, even this week, I remember writing in my devotionals, writing in my journal this week, saying, God, are you fretting with me as much as I'm fretting with myself? Do you love me? Because I seem so undone. I don't feel like I'm earning your love. And I'm reminded again. You see, the gospel of grace, this unmerited love and favor from Jesus, from the Father and the Spirit, is unearned or unearnable. Turn with me your Bibles to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I think actually I might even have that listed for you in your bulletins. The Gospel begins by grace. The whole thing. The whole thing begins by God's unmerited favor. Listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace, completely God's unmerited favor, because it pleased God for some reason, for by grace... Those of us who are His, you have been saved through faith. Very, very important. I mean, this is a, a foundational belief in the church. The true church of Jesus Christ. This is one of those distinctions that we must, we must understand. The grace of God is so important. I'm spending the entire month looking at this one verse. and the month of November, we're going to be looking at the doctrines of grace. And see more implication of this. This is so foundational for all of us to truly understand to be saved by and to live by. For by grace you and I have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Unmerited. It's just God's gift to us. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. The gospel begins with grace. It's unearned, and none of us deserve it. Let's talk about this for just a minute. This means this Scripture is pretty clear to us that each one of us, ever since the fall of man and woman in the garden, we were made originally holy and without sin. We were made with a disposition for God to know and love Him, to have a relationship with Him. That's where life is found. Life is found with a relationship with the Father and Son and Spirit. We were made for that, but we rebelled against it. And when we rebelled against it in the garden with Adam, we fell. That sin and misery became part of our nature. We became corrupt. And we no longer had the ability, the nature to please God. None of us. Scripture will say this, for all of us have fallen short of perfection. All of us have fallen short of God's glory. All of us, every single one of us together have sinned. If we come to God on our own and we demand justice, we get hell and separation from God. If we go to God on our own and say, God, give me mercy and grace, He doesn't owe us any mercy and grace. He's holy and without sin. And ever since our birth, we are born with a nature, as Paul will say in Ephesians 2, as children of wrath. By nature, we rebel against God. By nature, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Dead man can't respond. Dead men can do nothing. And so the Gospel of grace is this. God has placed a love on His children, His family, for a mysterious reason other than the fact it brought him glory. I don't know why. But you and I have to realize there was nothing in our life, not one little iota in our life, that he looked through time and says, I'm going to love Terry Pond, because I see good things in Terry Pond. She's going to be a a middle school principal that deserves love and grace and mercy. Amen? But he didn't look through time to see Terry or any else of us with any one reason to love us. Because all of us are corrupt. All of us are broken. All of us are sinful. It wasn't because of his foreknowledge that we might become good, it wasn't because of anything in us that's good. Anything. It's sheerly, listen, we are saved because of one reason God is merciful. God is good. God loves sinners like us. When we sing amazing grace, we mean amazing grace. The found a wretch like me, truly every single one of us is blinded by our sin. And we can do nothing to clean ourselves up. Nothing. We can't even prepare ourselves for salvation. God has to come to us by His grace. He's got to remove our stony hearts of unbelief. He has to even give us the ability to embrace the gospel. He even has to give us the gift of faith. It is all sheerly by God's grace. I hope and pray, and you know I do, that each and every one of you feel so good about being in God's family. That you love the reality that God has lavished the love upon you. That you love who you are, complete in Christ Jesus. And just are so excited about the Spirit living inside of you. But each and every one of the child, children of God need to know it is only by the grace of God that we are saved. So who gets the glory? So who gets the credit? It's all God's grace. It all begins with grace. But we also got to believe that it continues by grace. I think many of you believe this. It's still a doctrine that some of you wrestle with. But I think as you wrestle, as you look at Scripture, you'll realize it's the most biblical doctrine. It's the most God-honoring doctrine. And uh, I ask the Spirit to show that to you. But I think a typical Christian will say, okay, I'll agree that I'm not saved by works. Okay, I'm saved by grace. Okay, I'm saved through the vehicle of faith that God gives to me. But now I've got to earn it, don't I? Now isn't this Christian life all about earning it? Now don't I don't have to be that good Christian soldier marching on to victory? And, and, and shouldn't I now be like earning this thing and, and having my right devotional life and... And saying no to the wrong things and yes to the right things and giving more and doing more and maybe joining the Boy Scouts and, and, and you know, doing other things that are really important. Isn't it now about earning it? Do you know how many of us believe that? And let me tell you, that is not the gospel of grace. That's not true. It's another gospel. As we begin by grace, guess what? We continue by grace, the grace of God. We are children by God's grace, and we are going to walk in a manner worthy of God and the gospel by God's grace. Every day of our lives, it never becomes earnest. Never once. Never once does our works become it. It all continues to be about God's grace. That's why Peter says, grow in grace. Because you and I are going to forget that. And all of a sudden, we're going to think that we now got to earn God's pleasure. Okay, he's made us clean. He set us free. He's made us new. Now it's up to us. Now you've got to bow up and be strong and earn it. Do you feel that way? That's wearisome. That's not the gospel. That earn it mentality creeps in. The entire book of Galatians. I love it. I read it yesterday. The entire book of Galatians, a little letter that Paul writes, is written toward the church that starts turning toward an earn it mentality. And Paul is really ticked. Because he preached the true gospel to them. The gospel that we are all saved by grace, that we continue by grace. As Colossians 2.7 says this, the gospel continues, As you have received Christ, so walk in Him. Listen, as you receive Christ, how did you receive Christ? Because you're good? Eh. Because you deserve it? No. All by God's grace. So as you receive grace, so walk in Grace. But here's what happened in the church of Galatia. They started thinking that religion was all what you had to do. You had to earn it. And so people were coming to Christ by God's grace through faith. Amazing things were happening. Jews were coming to Christ. Gentiles were coming to Christ. And one common thing was happening. They were becoming new creatures in Christ. New creation. And they got the Holy Spirit and their lives were starting to change. And then some religious folks came in with an earn it mentality. And you know what they started telling them? Here's what they started saying. Well, it's great you received Jesus by faith. It's great that God's grace is saved. Now, now, you, if you really want to stay with this, you've got to obey the law. If you really are a follower of Christ, guess what? All you guys that aren't Jews, you've got to be circumcised. You do. That's what Moses requires. And I'm going to tell you, now you've got to start earning this. you got this free, You got your sins forgiven. You've got to get out of jail card for Jesus. Good job. We did too. But now, guess what? put on the law, now earn this, now be circumcised, now worship as the Jewish folks worship, now do this. And Paul was just spitting mad. I mean, he was so angry. He's like, who bewitched you? That's not the gospel. If if an angel preached that to you, may they be damned. And those who are preaching to you that, that you should be circumcised, we'll keep it a PG movie. Do you know that the guy who wrote this, Peter, fell into it too? Peter all of a sudden had this earnest mentality and he started withdrawing from the Gentiles and only eating with certain people. And here's Paul. I love it. You read in Galatians 1 and 2, Paul gets right in Peter's face. And Peter's a pillar of the church. And this is Peter. He says, Peter, what are you doing? It's the gospel of grace. And he rebuked his brother right to his face in front of others. So now we have Peter. Who knows? It's all about God's grace. Listen, Peter tried to earn Jesus' love. He said, Jesus, I'll die with you. Jesus, I'm your man. If everybody else forsakes you, I'm it, Jesus. I'm it. I'll walk on water. Oops, I'll sink. I'm good enough. My righteousness is good enough. I'm good enough. And Jesus has to remind him over and over again, Peter, you're not. Your flesh is so weak. You can't earn this, Peter, but I'm going to use you in a mighty way. The entire book of Galatians is written toward against the earn this mentality of the gospel. Why it's not the gospel. How is it with you? Did you start with grace and now think it's all about earning it? You think that somehow God's going to change his mind about you? If our sins are forgiven, every single one, when we come to Christ, there's something called justification where we are declared before the holy council of God as not guilty. <laughs> Unbelievable. Only because our sins have been washed in Christ and we've been robed in His righteousness. We can never grow from that. I mean, that, that's just a done deal. That's good, good news. Good news. He'll never change His mind about us. We truly are free in Christ. And as Galatians 5, 1 says, why in the world are you trying to do this, earn this mentality? They're trying to rob your freedom. The point of this message is this. Jesus has set you free, child of the living God. And never for one nanosecond for eternity does He turn to you and say, earn this. Never once. Never once. Is that not good news? Martin Luther was prone to fall into this trap of earnestness. I have a quote in your, in your uh, bulletin, and it should be on the screen. It says this. Martin Luther was a reformer. Um, he uh, became a priest and wrestled, wanted to try to please God, and Uh, Really, it was his discovery that you're saved by God's grace through faith. Romans one seventeen was a passage that God opened up his heart. The righteous shall live by faith. And he realized that he could have this alien righteousness, the righteousness of God given to him by faith. It wasn't about works. And he started preaching. I mean, listen, he started preaching the gospel of grace. And I'm telling you, a reformation started. The world changed. You want to change Orlando, change this church? We can never stop preaching the gospel of grace. Amen? It's what Luther said. I myself have been preaching and cultivating it, the message of grace, for almost 20 years. And still I feel the old clingy dirt of wanting to deal so with God that I may contribute something so that He will have to give me His grace in exchange for my holiness. Earn this. And still I cannot get into my head that I should surrender myself completely to sheer grace. Yet I know that this is what I should and must do. I told you earlier, I wrestle with this. I live my life so often trying to say, earn this. How do we grow in grace? Well, the only way to grow in grace is to begin there. Are you a born again believer? You can't grow in something that hasn't already germinated in your heart and soul. The only way to grow in grace is to begin in grace, and that is embracing Christ as your Lord and Savior. Germination must get better. You see, the gospel is not about you and me getting better, the gospel is about you and me becoming new. New creations in Christ with a new nature. See, as I mentioned earlier, by nature we're children of wrath. But this incredible grace of God gives us a new nature. It now gives us a divine nature. According to 1 Peter 1, those of us who are his children, all of us reflect his image, every single one of us, but his children have been given a brand new nature. The inside is now different. We now have the divine nature of God. We now have the ability to know and love him and even please him with our lives. That is only given to us by God's grace. But it begins with grace, and he gives us this new nature. Do you have it? Have you come to the place in your life where you are a new creature in Christ? If not, all you're trying to do is earn a religion and it's not going to work. The message for you is to come to Christ and say, I, I want a part of that amazing grace. You're moving in my heart. And I embrace you as Lord and Savior. We also need to realize we never grow past grace. It'll never ever become for the most senior saint, Dr. K, or for the new believer, earn this. We grow in grace by growing in our love and knowledge of Jesus. And next week's sermon is all about growing in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thomas Vanderwoody, 66-year-old father of seven boys. One boy was a 20-year-old boy named Joseph or Joey. He was mentally disabled. Thomas was known in the community as an incredible great guy, as a religious guy, a, a basketball coach for many, many years, a commercial and military pilot. At age 66, he died in his home in Noakesville, Virginia this week. He drowned. He drowned jumping into the family septic tank to save his 20-year-old son, Joey. And to get into that tank and to live his son up above the muck and the mire as his mama grabbed hold of him. Thomas gave his life so that his son could live. And he gave his life by jumping into a septic tank. That's amazing love, it's the gospel. Jesus became flesh and jumped into the septic tank of our lives. And all the junk he became to lift us up so that we can have life, so that we can be free, so that we can be saved. And never for one minute will he say, earn this. Because He loves us. He loves us enough to go in the tank. He loves us enough to become that muck and mire so that we could become the children of God. And now He wants us to live our lives never earning it, but just in response to it. In love, compelled by the love of a father to send his son To a Roman cross. So that we can say, I'm free. And I'm loved. And I'm His. Is that good news? Amen. Let's pray. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us, we need to respond to the gospel of grace. None of us to earn it. But all of us to be changed by it. Father, I pray for the man, the woman, the child that's here today that really doesn't know just hearing for the first time of this incredible gospel of good news and grace. God, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit that even in these quiet moments right now, they'll pray along with me. And they would acknowledge their sinfulness and the the muck of the septic tank of their lives and accept Jesus coming to die for them And now give their life to Him as their Lord and Savior. Today, Father, today bring your children home. And for the rest of us, Father God, who are trying to earn this, would you forgive us? It's not the Gospel. And would you cause us to grow in grace in the way we never forget what Jesus has done. So it never becomes about earning it. It all becomes about responding and growing to love your Son, our Savior, more.